Behind every song is a voice, and every voice is a story. The journeys behind the voices brings life to the music that shapes each of us. Brought to you by Visible Music College and in partnership with the largest online Christian music site new release today, this is Behind the Tunes, and I am your host, Austin Black. Together, we will explore those journeys, the journeys behind the artists that shape the landscape of today's music. Our guest today is Matthew West. We'll explore his journey growing up a preacher's kid in suburban Chicago, how he had to let go of one dream to realize another, and some fantastic, embarrassing onstage moments. This is Behind the Tunes. We're here today with Matthew West, artist, songwriter, author, podcaster, MatthewWest.com. Matthew, thanks so much for being here today, man. Hey, thanks for having me. It's good to talk to you. You got it. Listen, I left one thing off the list as I was doing some research, and it was actor. And so the, the, is, is, <laughs> so I, I wandered down a rabbit hole here that I, I am embarrassed to even describe how much time I took just in this rabbit hole. But you were in a movie called The Heart of Christmas with Candace Cameron Bure back in early 2010s. So that's got a, uh, that got a 7.1 on IMDb. Did you know this? No, is that is that good? I think it's good. Okay, it's good. But here's here's the rabbit hole I wandered down, and I don't know how I got it. You know, you just kind of start clicking on stuff. Next, thing you know who you are. You may need to pray about this because I, you know, what Spice World got with the Spice Girls. You know what that got? Three point seven. No. Three point seven. Crossroads. Ah. Crossroads. Britney Spears. Three point seven. Cats. T Swift. Two point two. From Justin to Kelly, Kelly Clarkson. Remember that? Remember that movie back in the day? Well, yeah. Two point six. Two point six. So we're beat. We're beating the pants off of those. All, all I'm saying is the heart of Christmas with Matthew West comes in at seven point one. Man, I just, just say that's strong. Now wait, is 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 ten highest or is ten's one? highest? That's ten's highest. Ten's okay, highest. Right. Yeah, ten's highest. You didn't beat Shawshank Redemption. Is it's like a nine point four. You didn't get there, but that's all right. That's a- well, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's always something to something to shoot for. But I saw the new Cats movie, and I there's no way I can get. You can't pay me enough like to go see that again. I I can never. I'm sitting there watching it with my daughter, thinking I can never get this hour and a half of my life back. <laughs> Well, let's we'll so, move uh, on from. But hey, you know, you know, my yeah, my acting is, uh, you know, uh, let's just say that I'm lacking in the talent <laughs> department there. They just uh, they they made that movie inspired by a song I had written, and they said, "Hey, we think you'd be cool if you played the friendly neighbor." And I was like, "All right, I'll be the friendly neighbor. Just don't give me too many lines." So uh, we made it work somehow. You made it work. He's Matthew West. Now you're diving into podcasting. We're sticking that on the resume now. What what got you into podcasting? You just wake up one day and say, you know what? Let's just do a podcast. How'd you get here? <laughs> well, it, it's been an idea that I've had for the last two years, really. Um, but 
I just my touring career has kept me um, perpetually um, and constantly exhausted. <laughs> so <laughs> traveling around the country and playing shows all the time, you know, really takes the energy out of you. And I really couldn't justify spending the time um, launching an entirely new endeavor. Uh, you know, I, I really want to make sure my family's a priority and things like that. And yet, um, as I started to sense that the country and certainly the music industry was going to be on lockdown for, for several months, I really returned back to some of my brainstorming and notes about a brand new podcast and uh, just really started feeling like perhaps this was the time. And, uh, you know, I got excited about the thought of, you know, really simply put, it was just a matter of me kind of being reminded that God is not a one dimensional God and he doesn't create one dimensional uh, people. And, and so I think for a long time, I've been kind of lulled into thinking, well, if I'm not on stage somewhere, then I'm not using my gifts for God. And this podcast has really become a way for me to be powerfully reminded that that's just not the case, that oftentimes God might be ready and willing to use us in, in powerful ways that have a great reach and impact in the world. It just might look a little different than we thought it would. And, and that's been the story of this podcast. So very excited about it. And people seem to be enjoying it as well. So that's fun. Well, I've really enjoyed listening to it myself. And I really love what you said in an aspect of, you know, we often define people just in the realms in which we see them, but that's not the way that God designed us. Do you do you really enjoy just diving into the stories of the people that, that you have as a part of your show? Man, I've always been passionate about stories. Ever since I was a little kid, a little preacher's kid, um, I, growing up in my church in the Chicago suburbs, my dad, one of my favorite and most vivid memories growing up in the church was that every few months, my dad would have this group come and speak at our church. It was a ministry that we supported as a church, and it was an addiction recovery ministry called Teen Challenge. Mm-hmm. And they would come in from Chicago. They'd come in from the inner city. And this group of, you know, honestly, pretty rough looking dudes would show up and, you know, to this nice suburban church and they'd stand up on stage and they would sing songs as a choir. And, you know, to, to be honest, they were a pretty terrible choir, <laughs> sang out of tune, but, but man, they sang with all their hearts. And then what gripped me was that, you know, some of the guys would take the microphone and take turns telling their testimony. And man, those testimonies would rock that suburban church. Like it was just, it was something so refreshing how authentic these guys were being, you know, instead of trying to pretend they were perfect, they were telling, you know, the stories of what they'd done in their lives, where they'd been and what God rescued them from. And I think that early on really began, you know, a passion for me to, uh, to find more stories like that, more importantly, to live a story like that. And mm. so, so when it comes to the podcast, I think that's what I'm drawn to. It's just telling the authentic stories of people's lives. And, and in doing that, we see the fingerprints of God and, and we're reminded that God's fingerprints are all over our stories as well. And uh, he can redeem even the messed up parts of our lives. And so that's been one of the exciting things about launching the Matthew S podcast is just you know, a continuation of telling that story. And every story is really just a, a reflection of the greater story that's being told um, about the gospel and, and, and God who seeks and saves 
all of those messed up people like me who, who were once lost and now they're found. He's Matthew West, uh, MatthewWest.com. You can hear his podcast, the Matthew West Podcast. Now, you mentioned this a moment ago. I want to kind of go backwards and work our, work our way forward here a little bit. You grew up outside Chicago, kind of Chicago suburbs. Uh, now you've made your way to Nashville in the music world and, and all that that means. What was your journey like? How did you get from Chicago to Nashville? Well, I was um, I went to college in central Illinois at um, a small like liberal arts university that had a great music conservatory. And I studied music for four years. And um, during like midway through my time in college, um, some of the school administrators had taken an interest in the original songs that I was writing. And there was one guy who was a recruiter for the university. He didn't even have anything to do with the music program. I think he was like track and field coach or something. <laughs> and he called me into his office one day and he's like, Hey, I want to tell you about, you know, I like your music. I like the songs that you're writing in your dorm room, you know, cause I was playing concerts around the campus and um, you know, it was kind of, I was sort of building a little bit of a, following on the college campus and this guy told me about this this music seminar that used to take place in estes park colorado and it was uh it was for christian music and it was a place where you could go you could enter into competitions industry professionals would critique your performance or the songs that you're writing and you'd have a chance to be discovered basically and uh, I said, oh, man, thanks for letting me know, you know, but uh, I got to go home and mow lawns for the summer because I got to make some money. And, and he's like, well, you know, honestly, some people behind the scenes have already paid your way oh. to go to this thing. And I was like, what are you talking about? I said, who are you talking about? I don't even know who you are. And he's like, well, the people who've done it have chosen to remain uh, anonymous. They just want to help you because they think that, you know, God has a plan for you. And this wasn't even a, a really like a Christian school or anything. And and so I was a bit taken back by that. And I called my parents and, and they said, you know, this is a door you need to walk through. So God's trying to tell you something. Long story short, I wound up traveling to Colorado, scared to death with a handful of songs that I had written and uh, just totally feeling unprepared and, and unqualified. And uh, that wound up being the open door that my songs caught the attention of, of a uh, industry professional who dealt in music publishing. And I wound up making it to the finals in some talent competition. It was crazy. <laughs> and I went back to college um, after that conference and I just knew beyond the shadow of a doubt, like what I was called to do with my life. And um, that relationship with that song publisher carried on during my final two years of college. And uh, I got offered a songwriting contract two weeks before walking down the aisle to get my diploma. So I graduated from college, packed my car, moved straight from Chicago to Nashville and never looked back. And that began uh, my career as a songwriter in the music industry and, and now as a recording artist. How did, you, how did you make the transition from songwriter into the into artist realm? Well, for me, it was never really a transition. It was, you know, I always wrote songs for me to sing, you know. Mm -hmm. So from the very beginning, I was very entrepreneurial. You know, I'd start writing my songs and 
I didn't wait to get good. I just started booking shows. I don't know why. I mean, I look back and I think, man, what was I thinking? These songs were terrible. And yet, like, I I was as excited to sh- to write a song as I was to share it with other people. I just, like, I don't know why. I was just always excited about, like, listen to this, you know? And so I was booking my own concerts and printing my own posters and ordering my own CDs and you know, my dorm room had become like a distribution center, you know? And so (laughs) moving to Nashville was a little bit of a culture shock for me because I thought that I was going to get a record deal when I moved to Nashville, but I didn't, I got rejected. The record labels just didn't think I was ready or talented enough or or whatever. Um, And so I had about three years of failed auditions and uh, three, three, almost four years of just being, a songwriter, a staff songwriter behind the scenes. And I, I didn't really even realize um, when I first writing, started writing songs, I didn't realize that that was a, a career. The more I dug into that, I started to realize, oh, wait a minute, there's these guys behind the scenes, guys and girls who are writing songs for the artist to sing. And I started to really enjoy that and started to have some songs recorded by other people, all the while still having this ambition to someday make my own records. And so I kept making independent projects and playing college campuses and high school, uh, you know, youth groups and church services. So I would, I would travel several months out of the year, just in my Honda Civic playing for 20 kids here and there, and then come back to Nashville and write songs for other people. And eventually a record label looked at my tour schedule and said, well, man, this guy's a good songwriter you know, he's already playing a hundred shows a year, you know, we might as well just give him a shot. (laughs) And so eventually a label had mercy on me, but so I really look at that season of being rejected by the labels as the season that really taught me the importance of becoming a, a craftsman and as a songwriter and really, you know, is what led to me putting in my 10,000 hours as a songwriter and, you know, realizing that, even the career of a songwriter can outlast the career of an artist. Hmm. He's Matthew West here with us today. Um, you, you referenced this a little bit, as you're saying, you're, you're touring around the country in your Honda Civic, playing for 20 kids. And most people, they only see Matthew West or any other artist that they've come to know with the thousands of people and the bright lights and the full band. They don't, they don't know the stories about the Honda Civic and driving you know, eight hours for pizza for, for to play for four kids. Do you have a, when you're thinking back, especially the early years and when you're kind of doing it yourself and just kind of making it, and I know you, there's probably so many of them. Is there like a crazy road story that like pops into your mind from, from back in those days? Gosh, I mean, there's so many, um, you know, so many, and they were, most of them were incredibly humbling. You know, I, I think of, I think of driving all the way to, uh, West Virginia School of Mining. <laughs> yes, that's a place. And and they they wanted a Matthew West concert, something fierce. And I remember driving to the West Virginia School of Mining and showing up on campus, and there's not a soul in sight. I mean, I'm talking, I had to walk around the campus for 30 minutes before I even found, uh, like, a breathing, living person. 
<laughs> and there were all these posters on the on the dorm room walls, dorm walls and stuff like that, advertising my concert, but no people. Finally, I find somebody. I said, hey, you know, I'm supposed to do a concert here. And they're like, well, I don't, are you sure it's this weekend? I'm like, yeah, it says so on the poster right there. And they're like, well, it's, it's fall break. Like nobody's oh. here. And whoever booked the concert just like completely botched it and booked me uh, during fall break. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? And they're like, well, there's a bar down the road. If you want to go play for those people, um, I'm like, no, not really. And they're like, they're like, well, here's your check. You know, I guess you can just drive back home. And so I literally drove to West Virginia to pick up a check, which is more than most musicians can say they received, you know, and I, and I drove back to the red roof Inn in, uh, in West Virginia and, uh, and I ate a blooming onion all by myself (laughs) at the Outback Steakhouse and just uh, drowned my sorrows in a blooming onion, you know, um, and then there's, of course, one time I was booked at the University of Notre Dame, and I was I was excited one to be at such a historic campus. Two, um, it was in a nice theater, and it looked like for once I was going to actually have a decent crowd. And they were telling me, "Oh yeah, man, we sold tickets. You're going to have a really good crowd tonight." So I was getting in, I was getting pumped, and then one of the people in charge said, "So what kind of comedian are you?" Oh. And I was like, "Come <laughs> come again," and. Uh, they're like, yeah, you know, what 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 style of comedy do you do? And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm not a comedian. Who told you I'm a comedian? They're like, oh well, the people that booked you just said we were that you're really funny. So <laughs> we just we assumed you were a comedian. And I'm like, are you telling me that you sold tickets for people to see Matthew West, the comedian, tonight? They're like, yeah, and it's going to be a packed house. <laughs> and at that point, I had like an hour to wrap my head around the fact that I was going to stand up in front of a packed house that was not coming to hear my music. They were coming to hear my jokes of which I had none. (laughs) And I mean, so you talk about moments where you have to think on your feet and, you know, I'll never forget the terror of getting up on stage in front of a packed house at Notre Dame and starting by saying who, who I, you know, who came to hear music tonight and everybody booed who came to hear the comedian everybody's here. <laughs> and I said, well, I got some good news and some bad news. And, uh, you know, then I proceeded to fumble my way through an hour long, you know, concert of, uh, you know, terrible dad jokes that I remembered <laughs> my dad telling me and, and try to weave in an original song here and there. It was a train wreck if there ever was one, but you know, those things build the ability, you know, those humbling experiences are ones that prepare you for, for the bigger platforms. So never thought I'd be thankful for them, but I look back now and see how they've shaped my ability to adapt to any crowd in front of me. Nothing can scare me once you've gone through that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, once, once you, once you showed up to, to do a concert at a comedy show, you're ready to go at that point. Oh, he's Matthew yeah, West. I mean, my you know. goodness. That, that's, that's, that's an all timer yeah. to me. And, and the fact that she came up with jokes, yeah. you're like, well, they're here for a comedy show. we Better tell some jokes along the way. Oh yeah, like I had, because I had made up some funny songs at different points, and I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna play these." You know, there was one song about a dog that, like, it's from the perspective of a dog who gets bored pooping in his own lawn, and <laughs> and uh, it's all about his journey to to like it, to the reason why he poops on everybody else, and so it's called somebody else's lawn, and I just like played these kinds of ridiculous. <laughs> 
dumb songs, you know, like just terrible. Uh, so, I, you know, found a way to survive, and I've been trying to find a way to survive ever since. There you go. He's Matthew West. Matthew, what first got you to playing music? You, you grew up in a pastor's home. Um, is that kind of the, the background for, for beginning to play music for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I never was. I, I've, I mean, I grew up just devouring music as a kid, though. Like, I mean, I could sing every word of every record that was put out, you know. I mean, I just, I love, always have loved music all different styles, all different genres, and have always just been a sponge when it came to music. And music always came easy to me, which I, it never really, which is why I think it never really um, dawned on me to pursue it. I think sometimes we pursue things that are maybe, I don't know, like for me, it was just, I would get passionate about the things that I wasn't naturally gifted in. And um, I just kind of overlooked that. And so I was way more interested in sports growing up but I was always involved in music and I had a junior high choir teacher that like refused to let me quit choir like I had to be in choir she wouldn't let me stay out and and not only that but she would give me every solo in every play like she would just always throw me out there and I was like her prize student but I couldn't care less about what we were performing like I just would just I was so bored and so I'd get up and sing, and she would just tell tell me how amazing I was. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I want to go play baseball. So you know, it's just been uh, it's been a process of me kind of, you know, several years. Like I, I just remember realizing, having it dawn on me that I wasn't going to be a professional baseball player. Everybody around me was probably like, yeah, uh, we already knew that. Um, and then and just you know, I started to really kind of most importantly, I started to kind of surrender my dreams and, and go, okay, well maybe God has a better plan for me than the plan I've been making up myself. So that's when I started to really have my, I felt like some blinders were taken off and I was able to see what people in my path had been trying to tell me all along that music was, was an area of gifting that I should uh, not avoid. We're with Matthew West. Matthew, who are your influences growing up? I loved all kinds of music. Um, growing up, I, I definitely would say like Stephen Curtis Chapman was a huge part of my, you know, uh, life as a kid, especially as a preacher's kid. You know, I sang to his like background tracks. Mm-hmm, yeah. Every, every wedding, at every wedding, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, but he was kind of like my James Taylor, and I identified a lot with him. You know, this young singer songwriter picking up an acoustic guitar and writing great lyrics. I loved guys like uh, i mean i love dc talk of course you know i sang a dc talk song in my junior high talent show and so a lot of i mean i grew up surrounded by christian music rich mullins keith green was one of my favorites and he was ahead in my time like he was yeah he was more my parents kind of thing but like there was something about his lyrics that even at a young age really like hit me and um you know so there are a lot of artists like that but then i grew up also on like oldies radio like my dad would let me listen to like, he didn't want me listening to like pop music so much. So I would, I'd listen to like, you know, songs from the fifties, sixties and seventies, like classics, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that's why a lot of my songs have like little vocal hooks in them, like woes or, you know, haze or whatever. Cause a lot of those doo-wop songs 
had these like musical hooks that were created by a vocal part. Yeah. And uh, I think I kind of adapted a lot of that. Yeah, it was funny when you said that. I was like, I can hear that. I can hear that he had some influence of that growing up with his oldies and stuff Is as I'm thinking through some of the songs through the years. Let me ask you this one, yeah. kind, of, kind of building off that. If you could open for anybody, dead or alive, who would it be? Shoot, man. Uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a tough one, man. Well... Well, I've always been, I've always had so much ambition that I would turn that question around and say, who would I want to open for me? That's right. That's right. <laughs> but that's also a kind of thinking that always gets me in trouble, you know, I love I'm never content. But, uh, you know, I mean, I would, I would love to sit side stage and, you know, after my set, sit down and, and watch some of the masters do their work. You know, I, I will say like Stephen Curtis, I, I did an event with him the other day and I was watching him play guitar and I was reminded like, man, that guy is a legit, like great guitar player, mm -hmm. you know, like a guy like John Mayer, who not just a great singer, not just a great songwriter, but a great uh, guitar player, you know, great. And I've never been a great guitar player. So I, I find myself drawn to that when I see people who are like multi-dimensional in that sense, you know? Um, but man, I, I can honestly say I've had the chance to open for some of those people that I've checked off a lot of names on that bucket list, Toby Mack and King Crowns. And, you know, a lot of those artists have probably already been uh, knocked off the list, you know what I mean? What's it What's it like, you know, you say, I grew up singing Stephen Chris Chapman in church, and he was just kind of someone that was a huge influence for me, and then you get to a point one day where you are sharing the stage with him. Those those first times, what was that like? Yeah, it's um, it's really surreal. Like, I think it's um, it's a moment that you can't let it go by without kind of soaking in what the Lord's trying to show you, you know, I think we, we had those uh, rare occasions in life where we get to see something come full circle mm. and we're reminded of God's faithfulness and what happens when we're faithful to what he's called us to do. And uh, you know, so I, I'll say like, even like the other day we were doing this like songwriter round that we filmed for, that's going to be like a TV special mm. I'm sitting next to Stephen Curtis. It's me and the newsboys and Stephen Curtis. And I'm like, dang, you're like, this is crazy. Like yeah. I grew up on their music. Of course, they don't want me to say that, you know, cause that makes them feel old. But like, it's just, I got nervous playing yeah. like, and I was like, I was about to play. I remember like looking, I'm about to play a song that was like, a big hit. Like I got nothing to be nervous about because people already decided they liked it, but my hands were all sweaty and I'm like, why are my hands sweaty right now? <laughs> and it was like, no matter how far you, you get into your career, you still like have those moments. So, but those are moments that I'm thankful for. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I don't want to, uh, like I said, I always have so much ambition in my life that that can be a blessing and a curse. And there's a downside to having ambition because it it's like you never really can stay, on, you know, when the confetti falls, like you don't get to celebrate a victory because you're on to the next, mm -hmm. you know, thing. And 
so that's been part of my life lately is just trying to get better at that of just going like, all right, maybe I'm not where I want to be, but then there's a whole lot of people who want to be where I've made it. And I want to give thanks to God for that. And I want to celebrate the victories along the way. And, you know, sometimes it's a little, it's not like in the form of an award. It's sometimes it's sitting next to Stephen Curtis Chapman and going, Holy cow. How cool is this? <laughs> yeah. We're here wrapping up with Matthew West. Um, Matthew, you've been playing music for, for a minute now, traveling and, and, and live music is like no other. Do you have an uh, embarrassing onstage moment? Gosh. I mean, other than the ones I've already shared, yeah. Um, I mean, I've had, I've had like so many. I mean, I could write a whole book of like embarrassing moments. I'm trying to think of like, um, there was definitely, so I'm a huge baseball fan. Yeah. And um, this embarrassing moment, is is kind of is off stage because okay. uh we went to intermission and i went back to the bus because uh, my team was in the world series and i went back to the bus to watch a few minutes of the world series and uh i lost track of time <laughs> and my team lost track of me and so the second half of the show started and the band like kicks into the first track and they're playing and it was like Johnny Cash walked the line where the band's playing and and Johnny's off stage you know remembering his whole life and the band's just having to riff on that one progression and uh I was sitting on the bus just none the wiser watching the world series all caught up in the game and somebody all of a sudden the bus door flies open and my tour manager's like what are you doing it's time to go and I had to and sure enough, I dead sprint to the stage, and uh, I made it just in time for uh, the second chorus. So the crowd was probably like, what is happening right now? But... Oh, again, he's Matthew West. Matthew, let's, I'd love to end with a little rapid fire, and then let's get, you, let's get you back with your family today. Texting or calling? Oh, text. Mm-hmm. What's the last Halloween costume you wore? <laughs> Oh man, I uh, I dress as a dad. That's about all I ever wear. Hey man, I'm with you on that. Do you snore? Uh, if I do, I wouldn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite junk food? Gosh, man, ice cream for sure, for sure. Have you ever worn socks with sandals? No, no, I still have I still have my dignity. That's right. If the toilet paper roll is really low, do you replace it or leave it for somebody else? Well, that's a question for my wife if you want the honest answer. <laughs> Climb a mountain or jump from an airplane? What was that? Climb a mountain or jump from an airplane? Oh, climb a mountain for sure. What color is your toothbrush? What color is my toothbrush? Uh-huh. Man. It's gray. I think it's gray, actually. Gray. <laughs> Hopefully, my teeth aren't though. That's right. I don't. I, don't, I got mine wrong the first time I did, my, when my wife did this with me in the movie about your life. What actor plays Matthew West? Oh man, let's see who's who's really handsome. Uh, <laughs> let me think. Uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Matthew McConaughey. Oh, that's good. There you go. 
Yeah, I like that. Well done. That's right. That's right. Time machine for one day. Where and when do you go? Man, I'm proud. Oh, time machine? Time machine. Gosh, man. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe 1955 and, and join uh, Marty McFly <laughs> on stage at the homecoming dance. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What's your... uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> That's a good odd. I accept that the one. Capacitor, you know. <laughs> I accept that one, man. Favorite cartoon growing up? Favorite cartoon? Um, gosh, man, what did I love growing up? I'm trying to think. Um, all the cartoons in my head right now are the ones that my daughters would watch, <laughs> like Phineas and Ferb and stuff like that. I'm trying to think. You know, I was always down for like Hulk Hogan, like mm-hmm. when the when they animated the the pro wrestlers. Yeah, oh, I was yeah. always down with that. I'm down with that too. All right, last one. Something you hate that everyone else loves. Oh man. Um, well, I hate soccer, and it seems like everybody keeps trying to tell me that's like the sport that's going to take over the world. <laughs> and they say that like, oh, it's coming to the U.S. It's going to be bigger than football. I feel like they've been saying that for like 10 years yeah. and it still hasn't happened. So, but, um, and then I, I also hate potato salad and <laughs> any, any food that makes this sound when the spoon goes in it, like, yeah, like any, any food like that, that makes that sound, I'm out. I think I'm with you. You just sold me on that. He's a Matthew like potato West, salad, man. egg salad. Yeah. All any the of stuff. those salads. They're not salads, and I will not eat them because I grew That's up true. at church potlucks, That's right. and they're disgusting. That's right. They're not. They're not even salads. It's just a bunch of stuff in a bowl. That's all it is. Yeah. Don't tell me it's a yeah, salad. Exactly. I'm with you on this. He's Matthew West. He's an artist, a songwriter, an author, actor, my favorite, and a podcaster. The Matthew West Show. Matthew, you've been so gracious. Thanks so much for hanging out, man. Hey, thanks for having me. I enjoyed it. You got it. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Behind the Tunes with Austin Black, produced by Grayson Rucker. A special thank you to our sponsor, Visible Music College, a music and worship school that trains and disciples students for the music industry and the church. You can learn more about them at visible.edu. And you can reach the show at behindthetunes at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Be sure to tune in next time as we go Behind the Tunes.